right here. But on the field. But where we want to be at the end of the season starts with our mentality and our attention to detail today. And they leave Penn State, a person should be able to look at them and say, that's a guy that went through that program who's special. On this episode of the Unrivaled Podcast, we bring you the best of the best from the first half of season number three. Penn State will take on Ohio State this Saturday at 7.30 p.m. from Columbus, Ohio. And for more information on that matchup, visit gopsusports.com. Now, before we start this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the Unrivaled Podcast and leave a review on your preferred streaming platform. Let's jump into the best of the best, starting with a lyrical performance of a lifetime from offensive lineman Eric Wilson on episode 11 with some strong encouragement from Juice Scruggs. Yeah, I'll try to focus as Juice laughs right next to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I grew up, uh, my family was, my mom, not my dad, uh, was really musical growing up. She played the organ, uh, and she was a good singer, really good singer, and she sang in, like, uh, the Notre Dame choir when she went to school there. Uh, and so I grew up, and I was always singing, uh, and they got me into instruments early, so I played uh, some piano, some guitar, and then uh, saxophone all through high school. So saxophone was my main instrument, and then, uh, in about third grade, I joined uh, the Minnesota Boy Choir. Uh, so shout out uh, Minnesota Boy Choir. It's a boy choir, all boys, uh, no electronics, like the most classic boy choir. Like when I say boy choir, like you, you're probably thinking like, oh, it's probably not that serious. Like it, this was legit. Like where we got uniforms, we're traveling the world. Uh, so I mean, I, I sang uh, tours every year. Like so we went to the Vatican, uh, Sagrada Familia in Spain. Uh, went to France. Uh, yeah, kind of crazy. So you look like time. Michael Jackson. Maybe, maybe. Oh, yeah, Michael yeah. Jackson. Yeah, I got I got some dance moves too. You was on that type level, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so that 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 really I think uh, formed a big part of who I am. Uh, and like some people don't always see the connection to sports, but uh, in a weird way, like it it really does connect to the offensive line because like you got to do your part. Uh, you don't have there's there's one solo to go around in a choir and this choir has like 65 people so if you're not doing your part then like what are you doing if you don't have the solo and like that's kind of what offensive line play is like you got to do your part uh so that the whole unit can go uh so that our quarterbacks and our running backs can be the solo artists and uh, make things happen did you have a solo yeah i had some solo have we ever heard the solo i never heard it i'm i'm trying to hear it i feel like that's a little i feel like that's something you can't forget was it singing yeah, it was singing. Can you give us a little we, demonstration? We about to do this right now? This is, this is really, God, this is, I feel like this is the third time <laughs> I've been asked to sing in a Penn State football. Let's We're doing it. Doing it right now? We're doing it. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall bear the sorry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, brothers, let's go down, down to the river to pray. There you go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My boy need a deal. From one line to another, let's jump to a a savage move made by number 54, Derek Tangelo, towards number 97, PJ Mustafer. Whenever I'm taking a nap, he be... He, Congo seems to be calling I'm a and king waking me up. So, so not a, the call app. The I'm, call. I'm a king at it. I always anticipate. I be like, yo, PJ always takes naps before practice. So when I have free time, I be like, all right, let me just call PJ and wake him up. So one of my, I have an 8 a.m. during the week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So Monday after my my class, I get home around 11:30. I got a two hour window before we go watch film. And that's why I take a nap. And it always seems that he's calling my phone. 
and I get waking up early. I'm extremely mad, but he has no remorse for it. I don't. I just don't get it. You, know? you, you just you, you have to do it. You got. Yeah, I gotta make sure he's up, ready to compete. He that's just calls what, to that's talk. What we talk about. There's I, no. I hope you're ready to compete today. There's no purpose of the competed <laughs> watching <laughs> film. There's no purpose of the call. I'm like, I know this man just didn't interrupt my two hour nap to talk about absolutely nothing. Like it's just calling to basically say, look at the sky. Yeah, so like I we he called me last week and I'm like, what? This was pointless. You could have texted me, or you could have waited till you saw me. Just a brutal move there by Tangelo to pick up the phone and call PJ during a nap. Come on, man. All right, let's go to one of my personal favorite conversations from season number three so far, which happened a few weeks back with Jordan Stout and Chris Stoll. How much of a difference can the size of a football actually make? You might be surprised. Is there a difference in a ball? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How? Why? It, okay, so... High school balls are all pretty pretty much the same for the most part. You get to college, and it's all based on the quarterback, what they want. Um, like when we were with Trace, when I was here with Trace, uh, my first three years here, he liked the smaller balls. The worst ball in college football to kick. For kickers, it's pretty bad. But they're <laughs> kind of more pointy, and so the sweet spot for them is a lot smaller. This year, we've used the next best ball, which is a little bit fatter, um, not as pointy up top, and so the sweet spot's even bigger. Still not the best, but it's not the worst either, and I'm very happy with the ball yeah. we're using. And, and then also, Sean likes it kind of broken in in games, and it's just it's phenomenal. Really nice. And the, obviously, the the best ball is the NFL ball. Correct. Just because it's, uh, what's the word I could use? Um, uh, thick. Lumptuous. <laughs> I, I mean, the one thing I always talk to Blake about is, he was super jealous when we switched balls this year. Yeah, because Blake tried to switch the balls every year he was here. And it's not that Sean wouldn't switch. Like, he just never really had an opportunity. And even for me, in twenty, the COVID year, before that, Sean was going to switch in spring ball. And then we didn't have spring ball. So then the whole last season, I had to use that ball as well. And then this year, I talked to him again a little bit. I'm like, hey, like, let me give you, like, three balls, and let's, like, see what you think about them. So he went to Jay. He got three balls. He got one that was like the one we used two years ago, one that we're using now. and then With Trace, one. right? No, yeah. No, the, yeah. The first one you were talking about. Yeah, the Trace. first one was Trace. But then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he got the one that was the Vapor one, which was two years ago. Last year, or no, then he got the one that was in the middle, which we're using now. And then he got another one that was like an NFL ball. It was like way bigger. And then he picked the middle one. And, and I started using it, and I was like, oh, wow, this is much better. That's huge. So you legit, both of you, have to adjust based off of what the quarterback wants year after year. Correct. That's insane. Do you feel like your results are affected based off of the ball? Like if you go back two, three years, you were talking about Trace's ball is much skinnier, the sweet spot's much smaller. Now you got a ball that I'm assuming it plays a factor both punt and field goal game. Yeah, this past year I worked a lot harder on everything because I didn't have the success I wanted last year. But, I mean, it goes to show like my average – my punt average last year was, what, 42, something like that, 41? 41, I think. And this year right now it's 49. And I'm not saying that's completely the ball because I, I took this offseason way more seriously than I ever have, but it does make a difference. From the size of a football to the impact of the game of football, Jair Brown and Quan Brisker spoke to having never taken anything for granted at Penn State on episode five. Every day, you know, you walk in this building, you walk, that's the appreciation right there. You walk into a building. You know, where other schools and junior college didn't have that. 
you know, a, a, a lash football building like ours where you got a weight room inside and a ice tub and a hot tub. <laughs> and, you know, you, you start from there, you appreciate that. You appreciate having these conversations with these coaches like Coach James Franklin, you know, who's uh, who's been around the game for many years and have knowledge to teach you and, and uh, mold you through life, you know. So you, um, you, everything I appreciate, you know, from day one, you know, coming in here, uh, being able to just practice on a practice field, just mm-hmm. so appreciative of everything, you know. Never take anything for granted. I would say just, um, you know, just first, you know, walking in, you know, just – you know, seeing the football field, the green grass, just like, wow. You know, and the mountains behind it. <laughs> I'm saying, like, you know, just like, wow. Like, we, I'm really here. You know, I just always think that moment and, like, just walking through the through the facility, you know, on the, on the backside. It's just like, you look at that green grass every morning. You know, it's just like, wow. You know, uh, just the way they take care of it, too. It's just like, this is football. You know, they take care of the grass. <laughs> hey, we, we was on train tracks before this. We were by train tracks, practicing by train tracks and, and, and had no real – view like this you know yeah. it, and a lot of people may have not seen you know our practice facility but the view behind that is, yeah, is extravagant you know it's, it's like happy valley like whoa this is yeah this yeah, is happy this, valley this <laughs> it right here you know so coming from where we came from to not seeing these kind of views and these pictures to now we're it like we're literally in our dream <laughs> yeah like, so it's really? like imagine yourself in your dream you, you just like i can't believe it like i'm really <laughs> is it real you know, so it's, it's, it's a blessing. Imagine yourself living your dream. That's powerful stuff right there from Jair Brown and Jaquan Brisker. Now, speaking of hometown roots, second-year wide receiver coach Taylor Stubblefield discussed what it was like growing up around what animal? Uh, you know, Yakima is a very diverse um, um, culture. It's a very diverse community, which uh, which is a good thing. You know, Yakima it comes from a Native American a tribe that's that's there in um in Washington and um you know what we we're a bunch of hard workers over there uh, blue collar folk that um appreciate uh appreciate working for what they get and so um you know I lived in an area kind of out in the country I had a horse growing up had some uh, uh apple orchard that, uh, you know, my dad would always, I always felt like me and my brother got the, literally the short end of the stick because my dad would prune it, but then me and my brother would have to pick up all the sticks. But what it did teach us is hard work, right? The, the little things matter, and, and we had to mow tons and tons and tons of, uh, of, of grass. So um, it's, it, it, shows, it shows me about uh, a lot of different cultures blending in together and, and, and working together. Um, and then it uh, showed me a, a lot about hard work and how, how, how important it is and why it is important and being able to do that if you want to be successful. So you're a horse guy. Did you ride horses back in the day? I, I, I did, but as you started getting busy, uh, it really just became a big dog for us. We fed it, pet it, watered it. Uh, but as we got busy in, in high school and stuff, the riding kind of kind of fell by the wayside let's head to our espn portion of the best of the best podcast starting with reese davis host of espn's college game day who described the impact of having the great league corso back on the road for college football's premier pregame show it's i mean it's so great to have him back now the group that worked with lee last year at his house he created all of those uh, awesome vignettes and backgrounds i mean they were so talented and creative but 
to have him back out there and to rev up the crowd before it starts with his little helmet uh, act, which he does every week, and I love watching every week. He'll, you know, like Saturday morning, you guys have probably seen it before. You know, he'll hold up the Penn State helmet, and everyone will yell, and then he'll put it down, you know, lower it, and he'll raise the Auburn helmet, and they'll boo, and he'll pick up their rhythm, and they'll go faster and faster. And then finally, regardless of who he's going to pick for the game, in, before the show starts, he'll then spike the Auburn helmet and kiss the Penn State helmet. And no matter how many times people see it, people go wild. And it's awesome. And, you know, just having him back, having that headgear moment being right there beside us, uh, you know, the back and forth he had with Ashton Kutcher last week was, was a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, it, it's just tremendous to have him have him back on site and being and being part of the show. He's such a, you know, he's a he's he's a legendary figure in the sport. It's almost as if that he is the one who signals the start of the college football Saturday when he puts on the headgear. Certainly, I was great having ESPN's College Game Day back in Happy Valley. From Reese Davis to Holly Rowe, one of sports television's top sideline reporters, discussed one of her top memories from inside Beaver Stadium ahead of Penn State and Auburn. I get chills. I, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I just get chills. And sometimes I've stood out here on the field and I just, I just take it all in. And I can remember coming here once with my brother. And right before kickoff, you know, everyone's going crazy. The fans are in unison. And I just said to him, welcome to my office. You know, because it's like the greatest workplace in the world. And here we are enjoying it. So I never take it for granted. I always appreciate it. Um, I'm really excited that Alan Talifero is going to come out and honor his uh, 23 union of being able to walk back out on this field. Um, I actually did a game here the very next week. And I remember I, I sent him a care package in the hospital. He was still in the hospital. And um, it just it just reminds me of what's important and that we continue to support people who've gone through hard things. But there's so many special moments that have happened right here in the stadium. And that's one of them. And I'm excited we get to commemorate that. So you did the game the following week after Adam Telefero suffered his injury. What was that week like? It was sobering and it was awful because, you know, we have seen kids have, have injuries and um, we hadn't seen a kid be paralyzed like that and have such fear for him. And it was, real, it was really upsetting and surreal. And I remember talking to Joe Paterno about it and it was, it was so upsetting. He was a beloved kid on this team. People loved his personality. Um, he was such a bright young man, and so I think it just was a, a real kick in the gut, like, oh my gosh. And, and it was scary, you know, other kids that are out here tackling and playing, and they're like, gosh, could that happen to me? It was just really sobering experience. That whole time um, was very sobering, I think. And then um, the moment that he was able to come back out and walk back out on that field, and I still remember it like it was yesterday, because he was, you know, he was still a little... Um, teetering and you know coming back from that uh, paralysis and that fracture I, I just think it's an amazing story and I'm glad that I've gotten to be like a, a piece of history and see it on the side and and cheer him on for so long well speaking of Adam Telefero he joined us on the Unrivaled podcast with Penn State linebacker Tyler Elsden Villanova defensive lineman Jake Green and PA native Jaden Leiby that came back on episode eight of season three as Jaden suffered a life-changing injury back in 2019 and was reunited with his former teammates and brothers ahead of Penn State and Villanova I think there's a lot of um, spinal cord injuries on this on the planet and I mean God bless every single one of them, but I think Adam and I had 
like the almost like exact same. And I think that's why we are the way we are with each other. And like, I look up to him so much and like, we were just, cause it's just, it's crazy to like explain, but like, I feel what he felt and what he still feels, you know, and I'll, st- I'll feel that for the rest of my life. I-, I bet. And like, that's just like some kind of thing that me and him can like bond over. I mean, and we bond over football, we bond over everything else, but that's like just how we, I feel like our attitudes are very much the same too towards everything. And like our bond is very unique. Speaking of the devil though. What's going on, man? How are you doing, buddy? No, oh, man, it's just so good to see you this weekend. And, and Tyler and Jake and Mitch, man, it's just an honor to be with you, man. As, as, as Jaden said, man, I just see so much of myself in you. And uh, I just think, man, like think back to your injury, like you, you've already overcome. Like, I, I think about like, you, you've already gotten past that injury, which is like amazing, man. I just, I tell people all the time, man, you're the most inspirational dude I know. And, you know, even in times when I get down, man, I like, I think back to you and you, you push me to get through the, the struggles that I have on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, man, we're, 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 we're connected for life, man. It's just, Brother, so good, it's just so good to see you, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm always here with you. And I know you got your brothers here, you know, Tyler's here, man. It's it's, it's a team, man. We got your back. You know that. Well, that was certainly one of the more inspiring stories through three seasons of the Unrivaled podcast, but not the only one and not the only one this season. World-renowned speaker Inky Johnson joined us prior to the start of the 2021 season as he spoke to adversity, leadership, and sacrifice. Sacrifice carries over into every aspect of life. I am a father. I have to sacrifice. I'm a husband. I have to sacrifice as a teammate. I used to always say to guys, I'm not playing with you, I'm playing for you. That's a sacrifice, right? I'm willing to do things to put you in a better position to succeed. A lot of people look at the game of football and you can see a guy make a play and not even understand that, yeah, he made the tackle, but it was two or three more guys that did and handled their responsibility. And that's the reason he was able to make that tackle. They sacrificed to put him in the position to make that tackle. A lot of people that look at the game, they don't understand it that way. And I think when you got a team of guys that's willing to sacrifice for the other guy, you got something special, right? Like my injury on a personal level, that wasn't my guy that I hit and got injured that ended my career. I had my responsibility. My teammate busted. I was covering his back. I was sacrificing for him and it ended my career. But if I went back at that same play, this exact same Saturday that's coming up, I I wouldn't change a thing about it because I told them I was gonna give him everything I had. I told him if the situation arose, I was willing to sacrifice for him. My sacrifice wasn't dependent upon a situation or circumstance playing in my favor. My sacrifice was who I am as a person, how I play the game, how I live my life. It's something that you can extract from the game and carry over into any other area and aspect of your life to make you a decent human being. What separates a good teammate from a great teammate? I think, Sacrifice, of course, we just touched on it. But I think more than anything, when you look at that guy that you suit up with every single day and you go to work with every single day, you really care about him and you love him. Not just as a football player, as a person, as a man. I used to say to guys all the time, if you quit in the wind sprint, you stand no chance at life and so I can't allow you to quit. Because one day you're gonna be faced with things that's a lot greater than the game of football. And if you quit in the weight room, if you quit in the jelly drills, if you quit on a wind sprint, if you don't give everything you got in a meeting, like we stand no chance at life. My job as a teammate is preparation. 
And I expect you to do the same because the strength of the pack is the wolf. The strength of the wolf is the pack. We're only as strong as our weakest link. And so I could think I'm doing something, but as a teammate, if I fall off, I need a guy that's coming behind me just as strong. And so we have to prepare each other and love each other enough to push each other and hold each other accountable and not take it personal and know that it's coming from a place of love. That's going to do it for this edition of the Unrivaled Podcast season at number three, best of the best edition. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review so you don't miss a single episode all season. We'll see you next time on the Unrivaled Podcast.